Would you make welcome to Family Worship Center, Dr. Mike Courtney? Would you do that? Thank you. It's great to see you this morning. Thanks for the privilege of being here. I, I appreciate Pastor Eddie so much. He, uh, uh, I just confess to you, uh, and I, I'm sure you all feel this way. I'm not the only one. He is my friend. Uh, it's wonderful to have a great pastor. It's an added blessing when he can have a great friend as well. And I just count him as a great, great friend. And and uh, he and Amanda just are special, special people. And we and we are spoiled with the music and all that. We're also spoiled to have Pastor Eddie and Amanda here and all of our church staff. But but uh, I just I love Eddie. And, and I know you've been praying for him during this holiday season. It is, uh, uh, you know, I did that for 23 years. And it is, it's hard to be able to be consoled when you are the pastor of a, of a great large church. You're always working. He's, he, all, he doesn't have a time clock to punch. Uh, and so when you're grieving for yourself, there are other people that you're trying to take care of them. So just pray for him and them, especially during this particular time. And, uh, and we love them and thankful for them. How about if we pray for us? Is that all right? Father, thanks for a good day. Thanks for your blessing. Thank you for the, thank you for the uh, just entering into this joyous season. How grateful we are that indeed you have come. And we celebrate that. We're thankful for all the fun memories and joys that we have at this season. We're also thankful in some sense for the, for the difficulties and the hard stories. And I pray that you would make both meaningful to us today. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Amen. I, I, I took Doris from the confines of her hometown, Gallatin, Tennessee, to Augusta, Georgia, where I was youth pastor for a few years. And then from there, we moved to Mount Vernon, Ohio, where I became the executive pastor of a large uh, university church, and it was just great. Life was just wonderful for us, except once a year. Once a year, about this time, we would have a heated debate. Doris would say, Doris, little Tennessee girl with her family, friends, memories, all in Middle Tennessee, Doris would say to me, are we going home for Christmas? And me, the kid who moves so many times, I can't spell homesick. I, I would say, we are home. This is our home. And she would say, well, you know what I mean. I, I want to go to Tennessee for Christmas. And I would say, I want to stay in Ohio with my home and my tree and my presence. And so we learned to compromise early in our marriage. She wanted to go to Tennessee. I wanted to go. I wanted to stay in Ohio, and so we compromised, and we went to Tennessee every Christmas. All of our all of our compromises were like that. Doris wanted to buy a house. I wanted to stay in an apartment. We compromised and bought a house. I I didn't want kids. Doris wanted kids. We compromised and had kids. All of our compromises somehow end up that way, but we compromised. And one year we compromised and. Came to Ohio, Joshua, I mean, came to Tennessee. Josh was about three. And we, there was kind of a compromise in this story, though. That Christmas happened to be on Sunday. Christmas was on Sunday. The pastor of the church where I served 
uh, we didn't have a Sunday morning service, but he wanted to have a family service on Sunday night. And so Doris agreed that we would get up early on Sunday morning, Christmas Day, and leave from Tennessee and drive back to Ohio so we could be there in time for that family service. So uh, we got up very early in the morning. We loaded up our little red Dodge Caravan with uh, all the presents, all of the clothes, and Josh, who was about three years old at the time, and who had, by the way, been eating nothing but Christmas candy for about four days, and we loaded him up, and we started back to, back to Ohio. Now, let me remind you of something. Christmas Day and Sunday, there is nothing open. There's not a gas station. There's not a Denny's. There's not a Motel 6. There is nothing open. We were on our way back. We'd been driving about an hour, which was just kind of that point of no return. And the, and the Christmas candy caught up with little Josh. And he presented us with two wonderful Christmas presents. Uh, projectile vomiting and explosive diarrhea all at the same time. Uh, the other thing I forgot to mention is it was about five degrees outside. So rolling down the window was not an option. And, and about every 30 miles or 10 minutes or so, because I was flying, about every 30 miles, Josh would say Merry Christmas to us with both barrels. And it was just... We finally found a, a, um, a dollar store open somewhere out in the midst of nowhere. We found a dollar store. Thank God for the Muslims. We, there was a dollar store open on Christmas Sunday, and we went in. I bought the biggest pack of, of uh, paper towels I could find, a huge box of those leaf-sized plastic bags, and all the air freshener they had in the store. <clears throat> I went back started driving, Doris climbed in the van, in the back of the van, and started putting everything and sealing it tight in those plastic bags. Poop-covered presents and vomit-soaked clothes. I begged her to stick Josh in a plastic bag and seal him up tight. She wouldn't do that. It was the worst Christmas day I have ever experienced. Christmas is such a wonderful time. Family, festivities, food, fireplaces. Most of us, if we are honest, are just as eager for Christmas as we were when we were little kids. We love the happiness of joy to the world and the serenity of silent night. But there is also another side of Christmas. There are some hard stories in Christmas that frankly make it a very difficult occasion for many, maybe for you. Most of you know, Pastor Eddie mentioned, most of you know I'm, I'm a counselor and I spend a good part of my week every day sitting in a chair and listening to people tell me their hard stories. They tell me stories from their, from their broken hearts and their wounded psyche and, and their damaged emotions. And they're telling me these stories, especially at this time of the year, it seems those stories just have a more of a raw edge to them. It, it seems like the level of despair is even deeper and the depression is more pervasive. It seems like the stories are, are harder and, and they are especially hard because they're in conflict with the, with the merriness of the season. It, right now, it just seems like our hard stories are, well, they're just harder 
because of this of this season. I, I you know, I've kind of this is the this is the gospel according to me. But I, I've kind of come up with four reasons why I think they are especially hard at this time of the year. I think because Christmas time is a time of reflection. We are we naturally think back. We think back about about the year. We think about Christmas's past. And in that time of reflection, we often have thoughts like, I thought it would be better by now. I thought life would be different. I thought mom would still be with us. I thought the kids would be gone. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I didn't know the kids would still be with us. I, you know, we have those kinds of thoughts. And this time of reflection just makes the stories even harder at, at Christmas. Christmas is a time of reflection. Christmas is a time of proximity. We're, we're just close, family, friends, especially family. We're all, we're, we're all in one place. And how many of you know that the people that you love the most have the potential of wounding you the deepest? And so all of the hurts of the past, all of the stories, all the disagreements, all of those things, we're, we're crammed into one place and they begin to create more wounds. Christmas is a time of contrast. It seems like our stories of hurt and disappointment and, and, and heartache are, are just exacerbated because all around us, we're just hearing, you know, all these wonderful Hark the Herald Angels sing and, and all these great Christmas stories. And it, it makes our stories all the more difficult to deal with. You remember... Um, Charles Dickens wrote that classic Christmas carol. You remember that story? Ebenezer Scrooge, mean, miserly, uh, broken man. And, and that story was so poignant because it was set in the Christmas season. Uh, really, if that story had been written around the 4th of July or around Labor Day or something like that, it wouldn't have the meaning that it has. Part of the reason that a Christmas carol is the classic that it is, is because Charles Dickens did that genius thing of taking this very hard, mean, miserly man and contrasting him to the joy of the season. It's a time of contrast. And then finally, Christmas is usually a time of depletion. If we're honest, we are usually by this time emotionally, physically, and sometimes spiritually absolutely depleted. We spent too much, gone too fast, stayed too busy, neglected our rest, our quiet, and our devotions, and we are just spent. And with all of those things, the, the, the difficult stories, the heartaches that we really, I mean, to be honest, we have them all year long, but it just seems right now that they are far more uh, invasive and pervasive. They are far more uh, damaging to us than at other times of year. Does that make sense to you? There are all kinds of hard stories at Christmas. Mom passed away this year. This is our first Christmas since Johnny was deployed. I lost my job in the fall. There's not enough money to go around. I haven't seen my grandkids in five years. My divorce was final last month. The kids will be with their mother. Hard stories that take on a, a whole new depth of sadness and sorrow, a, a, a whole new level of despair and depression at this time of the year. Now, because I'm a counselor, I am bound by HIPAA laws, 
and I'm not able to tell you the exact stories that I hear all day long. I wait till I go to another church and I tell them your stories. Someplace. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Uh, but I, I did ask some friends of mine if they would just kind of portray some stories in general. And Justin is a genius. We are blessed to have Justin. Uh, and, and so he made a little video for me. And I just want you to, to listen to these stories. They're just kind of general, hard stories of Christmas. girl and honor my parents. But then this happens. I don't know what to do. And right here at Christmas, I'm so afraid. I'm a businessman. I love God and try to serve Him, but I have to make money. Sometimes I have to make hard choices. I know it's Christmas, but I have to take care of my paying customers first. I had to turn some people away and you know, I'm so ashamed of that. But I had no choice. I hate myself. I hate my job. I work hard. I'm away from my family weeks at a time. I get no respect for what I do, and I'm out in the fields, and I have no one to talk to, even here now at Christmas. I'm depressed, my job is meaningless, and nobody knows I'm even here. My life is pointless. My reputation is all that I have. I've worked hard to be a good man and to live right in front of my community. <laughs> now, right here at Christmas, this happens. It's not my fault, but nobody's going to believe that. I can hear them whispering about me when I walk down the street. <sighs> my life will never be the same. I've lost my good name. Does that sound familiar? You know, maybe maybe you haven't experienced those exact stories, but all of us have lived with deep disappointment in our jobs, our circumstances, our family, sometimes even ourselves. Have you ever made a decision that you truly regretted? And yet you had to live with the consequences of it for a long, long time. Have you ever been so uh, just fed up with your job that you just you just wanted to chuck the whole thing? You were just ready to quit and throw in the towel and, and you just hated where you were. Have you ever ha seen your reputation just absolutely destroyed? Maybe because of your own poor choices. Maybe because of nothing of your fault, your own. But But you just, you knew that it was over. Have you ever been just absolutely encompassed with fear and lived in such a way that you had no idea how you're going to live out these circumstances that you found yourself in. We've all, we've all had on some level those kinds of, of hard stories. And yet, especially right here at Christmas, those hard stories are, well, they're even harder because we're hearing jingle bells and hark the herald angels sing and, and, and we're dealing with our own hard stories. Now, here's the cool thing. In the Christmas story itself, we can find an antidote to the sorrow and sadness, the depression and despair of our circumstances. 
The Christmas story can sometimes make our pain feel even more painful. But the Christmas story, when it really is taken seriously, can provide the healing and the hope that we need to get through the hard stories. I want to I want to give you this morning just seven kind of very practical steps that you can take to help you deal with the hard stories of Christmas. Before I do, let me just kind of categorize those hard stories, if that's okay. There, there are four general categories. I think the hard stories that I listen to, four general categories, depression, anxiety, loneliness, and fear. For most of us, we know or maybe are even living out some kind of story in one of those categories, even right now. Depression. We all have these expectations of what Christmas is supposed to be like. Let me, let me just be honest. There's probably a little bit of Clark Griswold in all of us. I have been called from time to time Clark Griswold for my, by my children. I just have these great expectations that the kids are going to behave. The in-laws are going to be nice. The Christmas bonus is going to be huge. The Christmas lights are going to work. Snow's going to fall. Everything is going to be perfect. And when it's not, when our expectations are not met, we can become depressed. And in fact, it, just kind of a little life lesson, that's, that's all of life. The, the very core of depression is, is unmet expectations, and usually because they're unrealistic expectations. We, our life didn't turn out the way we thought. We, we thought things would be different. At least our perception is that things should be better, and when it's not, we become depressed. So that's part of the Christmas hard stories. Another one is anxiety. Anxiety. Let me let me give you some great Christmas words: uh, candles, candy canes, uh, chocolate. I don't know why I just started down the seas. Presents, Santa Claus, baby Jesus, uh, carols, all those wonderful things. Here's one more: stress. Yes, stress is in that list of Christmas stories. Stress is as much a part of Christmas as stockings and eggnog. Stress is just a part of this everyday Christmas experience that we are in. And, and stress can create this great anxiety in us. We have dozens of parties to go to. There's last-minute shopping to do. We're swamped. We're working so hard at Lizard Thickets to try to make customers happy, and they're dealing with their own level of stress. We spend too much, eat too much, go too much, take care of ourselves too little, and the result is anxiety. Uh, actually, anxiety with a capital A. There's a tightness in our chest. Our brain is racing all the time. We have an inability to focus. And anxiety is a part of the hard stories of Christmas. Is that? I, I know that's not true for you, but do you know somebody that that has been their Christmas story? Uh, depression, anxiety, loneliness. Christmas is often punctuated as much by who is not there as by who is there. Pastor Eddie already mentioned the loss in his family. Loss and separation and estrangement are never more at the forefront of our thinking than at Christmas time. The empty place at the table, the unopened present, that, that, that chair that is empty when we sit around and tell Christmas stories. Divorce, disagreements, and death all contribute to loneliness, and loneliness is never more difficult than at Christmas. In fact, so much so that we start preparing ourselves for this years in advance. We spent 
our last Christmas with my grandmother 14 years in a row. When she was 80, she said, you know, this is the last Christmas you'll spend with Nanny. And she died when she was 94. For 14 years in a row, we spent a very last Christmas with her. We, we, it's just a part of the Christmas story. We almost expect that to be there. And finally, fear. Depression, anxiety, loneliness, and fear. The hard stories of Christmas are often about fear. Maybe they're small fears about, uh, will the turkey be done enough? Will, will Doris like her present? Will I be able to find Doris's present that I hid somewhere and don't know where it is? Uh, you know, those small fears. But often it's also overwhelming fears. Fears about relationships. Fears about our health. Fears about our finances. You know that, that uh, last year in, in America, the average family added $1,054 in debt just for Christmas. Just for Christmas. Now, if you're like Bubba and you're just rolling in the dough, that's not a big deal. But for a lot of us, $1,054 of credit card debt can be catastrophic. And that fear wells up in us. What is the new year going to be like? What's it going to be like when Christmas... And we carry all of that. We have fears about our health, our happiness, our relationships, and our finances. And all of that, depression, loneliness, anxiety, fear, all of those things are part of the hard stories that we carry with us during the Christmas season. Well, aren't you glad you came today? Let's just all stand and sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and go home, okay? Yes, well, I want to I give you some practical suggestions, some things that you can do to alleviate the fear, the anxiety, the loneliness, and the depression uh, that often accompanies the hard stories we have for Christmas. Seven things. I'm going to share them with you very quickly. The first one is this, acknowledge your feelings. Acknowledge your feelings. Just be willing to talk about it. Talk about the loss. Talk about the loneliness. Tell the hard story. Now, that doesn't mean you dwell on it all the time. That doesn't mean that you allow the enemy to define you by that. But it is healthy to say, hey, this is what I'm going through right now, and I just need to talk to somebody about this. It's 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 imperative at the Christmas time that we not try to sweep everything under the mistletoe, but that we say, hey, I am hurting right now, and I need to be able to say that. I, uh, Pastor Eddie didn't fuss at me too bad between the services, so I, I, I hope I'm okay. I, I took some verses, and I will confess to you, I just took them completely out of context, but they're just great verses that seem to fit and they're a lot of fun anyway. So let me just give you some verses. Here's one. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is, this is not a Christmas story, but Paul is at the end of his life. He's writing one of his last letters. He's in prison. Now here's Paul, this great giant of the church, greatest missionary the church has ever known. And here's what Paul says. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in the ministry. He says, I am so lonely I could die. Not a friend is standing with me. And I, here I am at the, I thought it would be better than this, but it's not. Be willing to acknowledge the pain. Be willing to acknowledge the, 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 what you're feeling. The second thing is this, reach out and 
I start saying touch somebody. Remember that commercial from a long, long time ago? I don't know where that came from, but reach out. Uh, we are made for community. We are made for, for, for one another. We need each other. And, and, and I am so grateful for branches and I'm grateful for our counselors and I, and I appreciate so much what they do. But, but what you need more than anything are some people in your life that you can reach out to and be connected with. Most of you know, if if you heard me speak at all, I almost always allude to this. I have a group of men that I meet with on Thursday mornings. There's about 20 or 25 of us now, a bunch of them from our church. And uh, we meet every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock. Some of you men, you need to be there. I know you do because your wives have told me you need to be there. Uh, But, you know, those men, I'll just tell you a little secret. Those men think they're there for them. They're not. They're there for me. I need those I need those guys in my life that I can be accountable to that I can reach out to that I can say man this is a this is a hard christmas for some reason I, I'm I am struggling reach out to people James 5:16 again it's a verse I know it's about something else but the writer of James says admit your faults to each other I would say admit your faults your hurts habits and hang-ups to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed listen God has provided everything you need for healing and wholeness. I believe that. I, now, again, I'm grateful for branches, but God can do it. I tell couples when they come in, listen, the answer is Jesus. It's just how long it takes us to get there is up to you. But the answer is Jesus. But there is something about, about that, that personal human connection. I tell people often, I need Jesus with skin on. There's something about that reaching out. So acknowledge your feelings, reach out. Number three, be realistic. Listen, let me just tell you, it will not be perfect. There will be hurts. Disappointments will come. Families will change and and traditions will fall by the wayside. Things are just not going to be the way they always were. We had a tradition in our family. We would, I know this almost sounds cruel, but we would make the kids stay in their room till Doris and I got up, had a cup of coffee. We got everything ready, got our little, remember our video cameras that were about like that big and had the big video where everything's ready. And then we would let them come out. And, and our tradition was that Jacob would come running down the hall saying, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. And we would let that every year. He, he was about 19 when he quit doing that. He was, yeah, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. You know, the boys are married. They have their own families. And we don't have that tradition anymore. We just set realistic expectations. It's not going to be like that. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. It's just going to be difficult. You know, there's just, just I'll be, be realistic about that. Uh, number four, choose to be graceful. Uh, decide in advance to accept people, especially family, family members as they are. If Aunt Sally has said something just really mean to you for years, She's going to say it again this Christmas. It's not going to change. If dad says to you, do you still have that meaningless job? And he's been saying that every year. He's going to say it again. That's not going to change. Just choose in advance to be graceful, to accept people for who they are, and, and, and take the time to think about that in advance and say, you know what? This is the way, and I choose to be that way. James 1.19 my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Just make up your mind before you enter into the Christmas season. Number five, plan ahead. Do a budget and stick with it. Write out your calendar and create space for yourself in that calendar. And then be willing to say no. Thank you for inviting me to the 12th Christmas party this week, but I'm not going. No. Be willing to say no. In fact, even plan out your eating. Uh, I'm going to a big Christmas dinner tonight, and I'm just going to gorge. So I'm going to, today, just be a little more careful and just plan that stuff in advance. I told you I was taking verses out of context. This one just struck me funny. Pastor Eddie is preaching a great series on Wednesday night on the Holy Spirit and especially on preaching, uh, speaking in tongues. And, and uh, this Wednesday night, he was in, in 1 Corinthians 14. And so I was sitting there listening to him and reading that. I said, man, that is a great verse for this. Uh, Paul says in Philippians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. So when you sit down at that big Christmas meal, don't just put your face in the pie and do like that. Let it be done decently in order. Think uh, in advance. Just just plan this stuff out. Spend time with God. Number six, spend time with God. Redouble your efforts your, uh, for your devotional time, your Bible reading, listening to good Christian music. John Wesley said, I am too busy not to spend one hour every day in prayer. Listen, this Christmas season, I am swamped. I am so busy. There is so much stuff going on. There, there are activities. I am so busy that I don't have time not to spend an hour with God every morning before I start my day. Plan ahead to spend significant time with God. And finally this, remember the reason for the season. Christmas is wonderful, but it is probably as commercialized as anything you can imagine. Uh, here's some statistics. Uh, the American retail market does 19.2% of all of its sales between Black Friday and Christmas Eve. Last year, um, the America hired 768,000 employees uh, just for the Christmas rush. And Christmas, or a family spent for Christmas in America, $794 billion just for Christmas. Doris spent about a third of that just herself in that, in that for Christmas. It is a, just an all-invasive commercial period of time. And you know what? That's okay. That's not a bad thing. I, you know... When I see the Macy's Day Parade, I think, you know what? They don't even know it, but they're celebrating Jesus. Good for them. You know, that, that's, that's all part of it. But don't let that take the place of the real reason for the season. Remember to keep in perspective. I just took that little verse out of Luke chapter 2. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So... That's a good place to stop and just read the Christmas story. Pastor Eddie said last week, I thought that was so wise. We, just, we need to hear it a hundred times. We just need to read it over and over. It's the only time of the year we hear it anyway. So I, I just want to just read the Christmas story. And then I'm going to share four words out of that Christmas story for you. But would you take the time? And I intentionally, I didn't put the words on the screen. So you would have to just sit and listen. Just listen. I... 
By the way, let me say this in advance. I said to the first service, I am reading out the New International Version, but for some reason, it comes out King James. I just, every time I read this story, it just comes out King James. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, uh, to be registered with Mary, his espoused wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were living at the same time shepherds in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from him into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Isn't that a great story? You remember the other four words, depression, anxiety, loneliness, fear? Remember those four words? Let me give you four different words, kind of modern words. Candidly, some of them kind of counseling words. But, but four words that come out of this very ancient story. And they are these, mindfulness, serenity, serendipity, and reframing. Mindfulness. Here's a definition of mindfulness. The mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and emotions without passing judgment. I spend a lot of my work in the counseling office trying to help people to be mindful, to just be present, to just accept where they are, to, to be in the moment and kind of be okay with that, to learn to be mindful. Uh, it's in that Christmas story. So Joseph left Nazareth and took Mary. He's not griping about the taxes. He's not saying the traffic is going to be awful. He's not saying there won't be anything open today. He just, he's just present. He just does what he needs to do. He's just mindful. Here's a Bible verse that fits that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. Uh, Jesus says, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow. Live one day at a time. This Christmas season, learn to be present, to be mindful, just to accept things. It, you know, 
we it is what it is just to accept things for the way they are There's so much health in that mindfulness second word is serenity serenity is the mental state of calm peaceful and un, of being calm peaceful and untroubled serenity just simple just being at peace and mary gave birth to a son and laid him in a manger you know there's not much fanfare there's no pretense it's not a big deal she just does what is there in front of her and gives birth to a son and lays him in this simple little manger if we could approach christmas not depressed anxious lonely or fearful but but present and at peace how much healthier that would be serendipity oh the the bible verse but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well it's simple uh serendipity serendipity is a it's just a fun word serendipity is that that encounter that that uh discovery of some new idea or thought that makes life happier and better. We another word might be epiphany. We have these moments where God just surprises us by revealing himself to us in special ways. Haven't you had those moments you're just driving down the road and a, a song comes on the radio and all of a sudden God says, "Oh yeah, this is what you're doing." Uh, this those times where just you're just surprised by joy. You're surprised by those serendipitous moments. Here's one. And there were shepherds in the fields. <clears throat> Can you imagine those guys out there, you know, talking about the latest Titans ball game and what was going on? And all of a sudden, this serendipitous moment when God appears and, and changes everything. God is trying to reveal himself to you during this Christmas season in all kinds of special ways. If you'll just be present and just be at peace, I promise you, things will happen and you'll say, oh yeah, that's what this is. God is at work in all of this. Um, here's a verse of scripture in Matthew 13. But to you has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And there are mystery after mystery after mystery that God will secretly present to you when you're just present and at peace. Which leads me to the last thing and the last word, reframing. We do a lot of reframing in the counseling center. Reframing is the mental ability to create a different way of looking at a situation, person, or relationship by changing its meaning. We, we try to help people to look at a story, and they'll tell their hard stories, and I'll say, oh, wow, that's got to be hard. All that, have you ever thought that maybe it was about this? Have you ever thought that maybe this? And we're trying to reframe it. We're trying to give them a different perspective, a different way of, <clears throat> of looking at it. Uh, here's a reframing. So the shepherds went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. You know, they're just out there. It just does all. And then all of a sudden, oh, this is a God thing. Here's another verse. I, I just like this verse. It's not a Christmas story. Paul's in prison again. That Paul, he's in prison all the time. He's always in jail. He's in prison again. And he's, and he's writing and he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. 
As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Man, I, I can't believe I'm in jail again. I, this, is, this is awful. This is horrible. I can't, why is God, oh, wait a minute. They're bringing in two guards about every two hours. They change guards. I get to witness to these different people all the time. And those people out there, they're being forced to preach because, oh, this is, I see. Oh, I see God's at work in all of this. That's reframing. Now, is it possible that God reframes the hard stories of Christmas? Is it, is it possible that he, that he does something with those stories and, and even your stories? <clears throat> For example, remember, remember the guy that was the businessman that had to make the hard decision. And, and he regretted it for the rest of his life. Remember that guy that just hated who he was because of that choice he had made? What if that decision was exactly the right one? What if that's right where God wanted him to be so that God could tell the story the way that God wanted to tell the story? Remember the guy that hated his job? that worked alone out in the field. He thought no one ever listened to him. No one cared about what he did. His life was miserable. What, What if God had him right where he was supposed to be so that he could be involved in telling the Christmas story in a way that nobody else could? Remember the young girl that was pregnant? Remember the guy whose reputation was destroyed? Well... You're getting the picture by now. God reframed the hard stories of Christmas. These were hard stories. These were things that didn't make sense and didn't and, and they weren't fun. But but God reframed them and, and and turned them into a scene that is maybe the most recognized and surely the most sacred scene in all of history. And if God did that with these hard stories, then God will do that with your hard stories. That death, that divorce, that disappointment, your fear, your depression, your anxiety, your loneliness, He will reframe all of that if you allow Him to. And He will change that story until it becomes something sacred and holy in your life. And then you will sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Stay present. Be at peace. Look for God's surprises and allow Him to reframe your hard stories. Can I ask you to do do me a favor? Um, Would you just... Here's what I think. For some of you, maybe not for everybody, but for some of you, as I was talking, you thought of a story. You, you thought of something that's hard. This Would you just take that story right now and just put your hands out like this and just put that story in your hand. Just do that. Just You know, that, that divorce I went through, lost my job this year, my, my kid got in trouble, 
wrecked the car. Whatever that story is, would you put that story? And would you just lift that up to God? And now would you see Him taking that story from you and replacing it with His own story that is sacred and, and, and unique and blessed in every way? That's God's great desire for you this holiday season. To reframe, reimagine, re-envision, retell your story. I hope you'll let Him do that.